I am so excited about this. I want to welcome you to the Purpose Project Podcast. During our time together, I will teach you how to pray, how to intentionally develop intimacy with your Creator, and challenge you to discover and embrace your God-ordained purposes. I am your host, Margie Florent. My prayer for you today is that you will be empowered and strengthened in the Word of God to move forward into your destiny. Today's message is entitled, Confidence in the Father. I'm going to take my text out of uh, Mark chapter 14. It says here in verse 32, Then they came to a place, they, Jesus, and his disciples, came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I shall pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Stay here and watch. And he went a little further and fell on the ground, and he prayed that if it were possible, this hour might pass from him. And he said, Jesus said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. I believe, my friends, that we are living in challenging times. And when I spoke to a friend of mine about this project, she said to me, she said, Margie, she said, I believe that the generations that we are living in now and the generations to come, that they're looking more for entertainment. It's more of an entertaining society. And we need to seek to entertain them and give them words from the Bible and break it up and make it short and sweet and add a lot of fluff around it. I got to tell you, I thought about that for about 24 hours. And the Spirit of God rose up in me and he said to me, Margie, I have not called you to entertain my people. I have not called you to be an entertainer. I have called you to equip this next generation because they are living in challenging times. And that's the purpose of this series, is to equip you. I believe you've had enough of entertainment. I believe you've had enough reality shows. I believe you have had enough of all of this type of, 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 of media. And I believe that you need to be equipped for the times and the seasons that you're living in. Those types of programs only feed your fears, feed your doubts, and cause you to realize even more that I am living in uncertain times. But when you hear the Word of God, the Word of God equips you. The Word of God pulls you out of the despair, out of the fear, out of the confusion, and sets, like the Bible says, my feet upon a rock. The Bible says that a wise person is a person who doesn't, build his, who doesn't build his house on sinking sand, but a wise person is a person who builds his house on a rock, on a rock, and the rock is the Word of God. And when the winds come and the storms come and beat against your house or beat against your life, 
you will not crumble, you will not falter, but you will continue to stand and you will continue to be strong. And that's what we need. We don't need any more entertainment. We've had enough of that. And it gets really boring, doesn't it? I believe what we need is truth from God's word that will cause you to stand in the midst of turmoil, that it'll cause you to stand in the midst of anything that you come and it'll cause you to be a victorious person. So today's lesson is called Confidence in the Father. Ultimately, how much trust and confidence can we have in our Heavenly Father? I was going through a very difficult time in my life. And if you're like me, when you're going through very difficult times, you think about it and 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 and at times maybe even worry a lot about it. And I was going through this very difficult time in my life. And, you know, I was basically just upstairs in my room and I was cleaning the house and I was picking things up and I went and I was making my bed and I heard the voice of the Father speak on the inside of me. You know, you can hear the voice of the Good Shepherd, the Bible says, and the voice of another you will not follow. You can hear his voice. As a child of God, he will speak to you. And in that moment and in that place of confusion that I was at, I heard the voice of my father and I was making the bed. And the beauty of that conversation is sometimes God will speak to you in times when you're not even expecting him to speak to you. And that's how it was with me. And I was making my bed and I was upset and I was worried and I was troubled. I was anxious and I was fearful. And I heard on the inside of me the voice of the Father, my true Father, my Father which is in heaven, who knows me, who understands me, who who knows my future better than I know my past. And he said to me, Margie, are you willing to trust me? And I knew exactly what he meant. I knew that in the midst of what I was going through, in the midst of these things that were crushing me, in the midst of the pain, I'm talking pain beyond pain, I'm talking emotional pain, I knew that God is my good shepherd, and I knew that what he was saying is, are you willing to trust me? And in that moment, in that flash, I had what I call the revelation of the Father's care for me. I had a revelation of just hold steady. I am going to work all things out for you. I just need you to trust me. And that word to me that came to my heart was an anchor of hope, an anchor of, of I'm going to be okay, an anchor of my heavenly father knows what things I have need of before I even ask him. And I know that my heavenly father can be trusted. And I made a decision that day. Yes, Lord, I am going to trust you. Yes, Lord, I am going to put my confidence in you. And that's what we need to do, my friends. We need to trust in the Lord, trust in God with all of our heart, even when things in our heads don't make sense. If we will just trust him with all of our heart and lean not to our own understanding and continue to acknowledge him in our lives, he will do what he, will, he said he will do. He will go before us. He will prepare the way for us. 
He will cause things to work together for us. But what we need to do is just trust him with our hearts. And I'll tell you, we can have faith in our hearts and we can have all kinds of thoughts coming at our heads. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a physical body. Your heart can trust God, you can trust with your heart or your spirit, and you can have all kinds of warfare and all kinds of opposition and all kinds of thoughts bombarding you in your head. Well, I'll tell you what, no matter what came to me in my mind, I knew that deep down on the inside of me that my confidence was in my Father God. My confidence was not in the circumstances, even though they didn't look good. My confidence was in my Father God. And if he said to me, Margie, are you willing to trust me? I said to him, yes, Lord, I am willing to trust you. And so it is. We need to trust God. We need to have confidence in that he said that who he is, he is. That's why we said in order for us to continue to teach you on prayer, the Bible says we must believe that he said who he said he is. We must believe that he is. And the Bible says he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So how much can we trust in God? When I did a word study on the word trust in the Lord, I found out that there are that the words trust in the Lord is found 40 times in the book of Psalms and Proverbs. 40 times those words trust in the Lord are in these scriptures. And I'm going to read several of them to you. And I'm just going to read them because you know what? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We're not here to entertain you. We're here to give you weapons that will help you in your warfare. The Bible says that the weapons of your warfare are not carnal. They're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And these scriptures that I'm going to give you are weapons that you can use to defeat the fear in your life. You can use to defeat the enemy in your life. You can use to defeat the doubts in your life. And these scriptures will help feed your spirit and help build you up and, and help you to have more faith in your Father God. And so I'm going to read several of them to you. It says in Psalms chapter 9, verse 10, And those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. I knew my heart was right before God. I knew that I was doing everything that I knew to do and I was doing my best to serve him and to do the right thing. I knew that my God hadn't forsaken me in that moment when he asked me to trust him. So here's a scripture that proves that point. Lord, you have not forsaken those who seek you. Sometimes you may feel forsaken. Sometimes it seems like everybody's forsaken you. But the scripture says, when my, even my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. Just keep trusting him. Psalms chapter 18, verse 30 says, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all those who trust in him. Psalms 28, verse 7. I love this one. The Lord is my strength and my shield. When I am weak, I am strong because of him. If I'll just keep trusting him and leaning wholly on him, my weakness will become my strength because the Lord, the psalmist David said, is my strength and my shield. My heart 
trusted in him. Notice he didn't say my head, my thoughts, the things that are coming at me in my mind. He said, no, my heart trusted in him. And what's the result? And I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices. And with my song, I will praise him. Psalms 34, verse 22. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants. And none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. I want you to notice that the scripture didn't say just a few who trust in him won't be condemned. No, this message is for you. This message is for everyone. God has no favorites. Okay, this message is for you. It says, and all of those who trust in him shall not be condemned. Psalms 37 verse 5, commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he will bring it to pass. Who's the one that's going to bring it to pass when you trust in God? It's God ultimately who will bring it to pass. Sometimes some things take several days. Sometimes some things take several weeks. And my friends, let me tell you, sometimes some things just take several years. To everything there is a purpose and a time under heaven. Just trust in God with the timing of those things that you're believing for. Psalms 112, verse 7. He will not be afraid of evil tithings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. And we already quoted it. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. So trust in God with all of your heart. Now, Jesus trusted his father so much, and this is what we're going to get to in this message. He knew his father would raise him up out of the grip of hell and of death. Now, remember, Jesus is, is, is our example of a man who knew his father, a man who trusted his father, and Jesus knew what the Bible said about the plan of redemption. He knew that one of the reasons he came to the earth was to be an intercessor. An intercessor is a person who bridges the gap between God and sinful man. And he knew his destiny. He knew ultimately what he was called to do and called to be in the earth. And he says out of his own mouth in James or Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, he says here, and he said it to his disciples, and I'm convinced the disciples didn't fully understand what he was talking about. He says here, for as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. You see, what happened to Jesus at the cross was not just a physical thing. What happened to Jesus at the cross went beyond the physical, and it went into the realm of the Spirit. The Bible says, He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So when Jesus came into the world, he came through the birth canal of a virgin. He was born sinless. He was alive unto his father God. He always walked with God. 
He had intimacy with his father and he was never separated from his father God. And here Jesus is saying in the scripture, something's going to happen to me. And in that, in that day, the disciples didn't understand because they didn't understand most of what he said until the Holy Spirit came. He said, as Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights, so the Son of Man is going to be in the heart of the earth. So Jesus is predicting that he is going to be separated from his father. He is predicting that he's going to become sin. He is predicting that he's going to take for us the penalty of sin because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all need a savior. So Jesus is predicting that he's going to take our place and he's going to go into the lower parts of the earth. You see, my friends, you and I should have been the ones to go to hell. And because of Jesus, because of the sacrifice that he made, he did it for us. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we could be made right with God. The Bible says that Jesus was the second Adam. You see, in Adam, all have sinned. And the Bible says, fallen short of the glory of God. What that means is all have sinned in Adam. Adam led the whole human race into what I would call high treason. He's, he he gave the turn the whole world over to the enemy and he became sin or he was separated from the father so that fellowship and that enjoyment and that pleasure of being in the father's presence that was once there was lost because of disobedience well jesus came to restore hope to humanity he became that sin for us who knew no sin so that we could be made right with god so he says it out of his own mouth. For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. He was separated from the Father God. He was predicting that he was going to become sin. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 9, and I'll tell you why I give so many scriptures. Because we're living in the last days. And the Bible says in the last days... Men will give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And there's going to be a lot of voices out there in the world. And it's important, like we said earlier, that we build our lives on the foundation of the Word of God. Find out what the Word of God has to say about your situation or about a subject. And build your life on that. And the reason I give you so many scriptures is for that purpose. So that you know that this is in the Bible. And you can build your life on it. So it says in Ephesians 4 verse 9. That Jesus descended into the lower parts of the earth. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 18 and 19 says. Christ suffered once for sins. And it goes on to say, and he went, are you ready for this one? And preached to the spirits that were in prison. So when he died on the cross, his spirit left. He, first of all, he was separated from his father because he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So for the first time ever, Jesus, the father saw the sin and he couldn't look at his son anymore and he had to turn away. And Jesus felt that, 
that, that, that separation. And, and, and he said, my father, my father, why have you forsaken me? And his spirit leaves his body and he goes into the lower parts of the earth. He goes into hell. And the Bible says he also went and he preached to the spirits that were in prison. I want to warn you about something. I want to warn you that there is a heaven and there is a hell and hell is a real place. My son's been showing me many YouTube videos this weekend and I believe God was just using him to, to add a little fuel to my burning fire to preach this message to you. And he was showing me all these YouTubes of people who have died, left their bodies. Some of them went to heaven and some of them went to hell. And in these cases, these people came back to tell their stories because it wasn't their time to go or they had a second chance. Or I believe, this is my personal belief, that they're those that were left their bodies and went into hell. God called them back up. And many times I believe it's because of the prayers of a righteous mother who was praying for this person or a praying friend that caused that person to come back up and have a second chance at giving their lives to Jesus Christ. So there is a heaven and there is a hell. And I would encourage you, if you're not saved, if you don't have Jesus in your heart, by the end of this message, I would encourage you to give your life over to Jesus. You have nothing to lose. Jesus said, I have come to be that intercessor. I have come to take your place. I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. That word life in that scripture is zoe. It, that, remember we said that the Bible's written in Hebrew and Greek. That word life means zoe. And that word zoe translated out of the Greek is eternal life. I have come that, or life as God has it. So Jesus has come to give you life and life more abundantly. It's the thief that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. It's the enemy who doesn't want you to be happy. It's the enemy that puts that fear and that down, that worry and that confusion. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life. So we see in the scripture that Jesus went down and he preached to the people that were in prison or the spirits that were in prison. Now I'm going to read to you out of Isaiah 53. And yes, since I believe you're hungry for God and you don't want to be entertained, I'm going to read the whole entire chapter. Homiletically, they taught us in Bible school, you should just limit scriptures to X, Y, and Z amounts of scripture, otherwise you lose the people. I believe that if you're really hungry for God and you really want God and you really want to know God, you're going to listen to the scriptures and, and you're going to hear what the scriptures are saying and it's going to cause faith to arise in your heart and you're never going to be the same. I'm going to read you out of Isaiah 53. And as I read this, this is actually prophetically speaking about Jesus and what was going to happen to him at the cross and what was going to happen to him as he went into hell and then what was going to happen as he came out. It says here in Isaiah 53, and I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version. See, I believe that Jesus read Isaiah 53 when he was on this earth. During his earthly ministry, he read all about his life. And he saw what he was going to go through. He saw that he was going to suffer. He saw he was going to be separated from his father. But I don't want to just say that to you. I want to read it to you. It says here, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? 
for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. Now that's speaking of Jesus. He shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. And he has no form or comeliness. That means he wasn't. Now, if you, if you look at it in the, in the Hebrew, because this is Old Testament, that word form means splendor. That word comeliness means appearance. So he had no splendor in his appearance. Some people would say, uh, people who study the Bible a lot, these scholars would say he was not a beautiful man to look at. You know, you have all these beautiful celebrities and everybody's trying to look good and, 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 and they got it all going on, you know, and then that causes their image to be even brighter and even better. Well, you know, Jesus had no form of, 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 of comeliness. He was just not that good looking of a guy. And it says here, but his inner beauty shined forth. I believe if, if, if I was on the earth when Jesus was on the earth, I, I, you know, you got to look beyond the, the outward and look into the heart. I know I would have been one of them that would have been tagging along with him because his heart was so filled with love. It says here, and there is no beauty that we should desire him. Here we go again. And verse three, but what happens to Jesus is this. He is despised and he is rejected of men. He is despised and he is rejected. That word rejected means forsaken. So Jesus comes to the earth as an intercessor. He comes to do good things for people. The Bible even says that he came and he went about and he was doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. There wasn't anything that Jesus did that was bad. He went about doing good. He was healing those that were oppressed of the devil. He was, he was helping people. He was teaching people. He was feeding people. But the scripture says, what happened to him? He is despised and he is rejected of men. It says here he is forsaken. He is rejected. He's a man of sorrows. That word sorrow means pains. He was a man of sorrows. So he's not only rejected, now he's a man of pain. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we not, did not esteem him. So he comes to the earth. He grows up as a young plant. He does good to people. And ultimately, at the time of his death, at the, he, he's rejected, he's despised, and he's a man of, of pain. And then verse 4, this is what he did for us. Surely he has borne our griefs. That word griefs is sicknesses. He has borne our griefs. When did he do that? He did that at the just he was did that at the cross and he did that through the beatings that he took. And he carried our sorrows. That word sorrows means pain. And people say that God's not a good God. I don't get it. If you just read your Bible, you'll find out that he's a good God. He's come to give you life and life more abundantly. He's not the cause of all the pain and all the destruction and all the stuff that happens in the world. He carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken. That word esteemed is reckoned. And then it says here, smitten by God and afflicted. That word smitten means he was struck down. And the scripture goes on to say he was wounded for our transgressions or pierced for our transgressions. You remember that they pierced his side. He was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. 
if a person doesn't have Jesus in their lives, they have no peace. But the Bible says that through Jesus, because he took the chastisement of our peace, we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And it goes on to say, and we like sheep have gone astray. In Adam, we said that. We like sheep have gone astray. And we have turned everyone to his own way. And what happened? Verse 6, and the Lord laid on him, on Jesus, this good man, the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. This is what happened at the cross. Yet the Bible says he opened not his mouth. He had enough power to just stop the whole thing and say, you know what? I'm out of here. But no, you know what happened? He had you in mind. He had you and I both in mind. He had all of humanity in mind. He said in one place in the scripture, he said, for this purpose was the son of man manifested or come, came to the earth. Why? That he would destroy the works of darkness, that he would take on the sin of man. He knew what his destiny was. So it says here, he just didn't even open up his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before its shears. He opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people, God said, he was stricken. And they, and they made his grave with the wicked. Anybody that knows the Easter story knows that Jesus was crucified between two criminals and he didn't do anything wrong. But with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. That word bruise means crushed. Jesus was crushed for you. He took your place. He has put him to grief. You, when you make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed and he shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many. In other words, because of what Jesus did, he's going to justify many. He's going to deliver people out of prison. He's going to give you life and life more abundantly. For he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, God said, the father said, I will divide him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Why? Because he poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors. Can you imagine? And he didn't do anything wrong. He did nothing wrong except he was 100% good. He bore the sin of many and he went and he made intercession for the transgressors. So how far ultimately can we trust the Father? I'm going to read you out of Acts chapter 2. We find that Jesus, after his death, burial, and resurrection, we find that Peter's preaching about what happened here, and it's his sermon. You know what I love about Peter is he starts out as a guy who betrayed Jesus in the garden, and a guy that wouldn't even acknowledge that he was one of Jesus's true disciples and close to him. And in the end, as he's born again, and as he's baptized in the Holy Spirit, something changed in him. And now he preaches this amazing sermon in Acts chapter 2. And he goes on to talk about Jesus in Acts 2, 23. It says here, him being delivered 
by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, he was preaching and he was saying, you have taken by lawless hands and have crucified and put to death. Verse 24, whom God has raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. And then he's quoting, Peter begins to quote out of Psalm 16, a verse of scripture that I'm sure Jesus read when he was in his earthly ministry. For David says concerning him, it was a prophetic Psalm. He's quoting Psalm 16. I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart rejoices and my tongue is glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope for you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known unto me the ways of life, for you will make me full of joy in your presence. So here we see that Peter's quoting right out of Psalm 16, and he's prophetically speaking of the promise of the fact that not only was Jesus was gonna die on the cross for us, but he was also going to be raised from the dead. But he's also speaking about the fact that the Father God did not leave Jesus in Hades. Did not leave Jesus in hell. I don't know about you, but that's good news. A friend of mine said to me the other day, he said, you know what? He said it had to be very painful for Jesus when he was separated from his father. It had to be excruciating for him because not only did he take on our sin and he took our sicknesses and he took our diseases, but he said to me, he said, can you imagine what it must have been like for Jesus? For the first time ever, his father forsook him and his father turned his back on him and he was separated from his father God. You know, you think about people, and I have friends and family, we've all lost loved ones. And it's a very painful thing when you lose a loved one. And that separation, sometimes some people just never get over it. Well, Jesus trusted his Father so much that even in the midst of that separation, even in the midst of going into the lower parts of the earth, listen to me, he had enough confidence that his Father was going to raise him up out of that place. So my question for you is, how far can you trust the Father God in your life? If God says to you, trust me with all of your heart, I'm gonna take care of you. My friend, this is a prime example. If Jesus trusted the Father to this degree that he knew his Father was gonna raise him up from the dead, I wanna challenge you today to trust God in your circumstances. He, Jesus was raised from the, by the glory of the Father. It says in Romans 6, verse 4, that Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father. So why did you read that first scripture, Margie? What was the point in reading that first scripture? You remember the first scripture that I read? That was the scripture where Jesus was in the garden. That was the place of decision that was the place where Jesus went to the Father in prayer. And in this place of prayer, he looked to his Father and he said, Father, 
if it be your will, take this cup from me. He knew he was going to be, he knew he was going to be beaten. He knew that the stripes he was going to bear on his body. He knew he was going to be separated from the father. He knew all the anguish and the pain and the rejection he was going to go through. And he was in that place of prayer. And he said, father, I know you love me, but you know, for this purpose, I know I've come, but nevertheless, take this from me. And in that scripture, I, did you notice that there was another word for father? He said, Abba, father. <laughs> I love that. You know what that word Abba means? It means daddy, daddy, God. Daddy God, not Father, not Heavenly Father, not Jehovah Jireh, not Jehovah Nisi, not the Lord God Almighty Elohim. In that place of secret prayer, Jesus says to his Father, Daddy God, if it's possible, you could take this from me, but not what I will, what you will. I want you to know today, my friend, that God is your daddy. He's your daddy. You know, we're going to teach on how to pray. You can actually, in prayer at times, I've done it. When I was weak, when I was upset and burdened down, I would sometimes just need my father and I needed a daddy. And I would just at times see myself climbing into his lap and just letting him hold me as my daddy. I have chapter and verse for that one too. The Bible says he holds you right in the palm of his hand. He hasn't forgotten you. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You're right in the palm of my hand. I am with you always even unto the ends of this age. In the world, you will have tribulation. You will go through hell. Be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. I've tattooed you in the palm of my hand. I have a tattoo. Guess what? It doesn't go away. It's always there. Permanently on my body. Well, God says you're permanently tattooed in the palm of my hand and I love you with an everlasting love and I hear the Lord saying to you fear not I am with you be not dismayed I am your God and I hear him saying I will strengthen you I will help you I'm going to uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness that scripture also says out of the amplified I will harden you to difficulties. Some of those things that you're going through, I'm your father and I'm gonna take care of you and I'm gonna harden you to those difficult times and places. And not only am I gonna harden you, but I'm gonna take you up out of that place and I'm gonna redeem your life from destruction. So trust God tonight. Trust God today, whatever time it is you're listening to this. He will be a father to you in every area of your life. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Project podcast. For more content, video, and teachings like this, visit margieflorent.org.